0: Hello and welcome to another analysis episode of Asynchronous, a video game catch-up show. My name is Kim. My name is AJ. Today we will be talking about the, not, is it 1982? 1982, yeah. <laughs> the 1982 classic, as Natsuno put it, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Sort of a, it really is a, a classic. Um, it really S- is, yeah. Spielberg, part of what I don't know if this is actually a thing that people say or if it's just because I uh, discussed this in in college. But my professor always pre- referred to it, and it is referred to in an article that we're discussing today as uh, part of Spielberg's suburban fantasy trilogy which is, um, Close Encounters, Poltergeist, NET, all sort of, um, you know, taking place in the suburbs of somewhere in America. That's so funny that poltergeist is part of this. I know
1: poltergeist feels like a sort of different beast. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I knew poltergeist was Spielberg until I. I
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I, I didn't realize it until I think it was part of the class that I covered ET in. So I guess just take a step back. I covered this in college um, in at least one class. I, for some reason, I feel like it might have been two but i don't mm. remember why i feel that way because um, i know <laughs> for one it was a class called the child on film and the idea was i specialized in children's literature and um part of what this professor had a study was not only like media made for children but media depicting children and sort of like was it what it says about like how we conceptualize uh the child wow yeah it's i i don't want to <laughs> I'm going to go too far on a tangent. But um, our idea of children is has really changed uh, over the course of society. Like, yeah. you know, uh, the idea of children as these like precious sort of uh, pure and innocent, angelic things um, really started in the Victorian era. But prior to that, children were a just like more hands to work on the farm and b you did all kinds of things. Um, to not even get attached to children because it it was very um, uh, it was very common for children not to survive to adulthood or shit. Yeah. Or to to even to a certain age, Um, you know, there sometimes children were not even given like names until they were a little bit older because they might, uh, you know, pass away of illness or something. Um, Mm. And so it, it wasn't until, you know, there was kind of advances in, in, medicine and, um, until, you know, there became kind of more of like a leisure class, um, where children came to be viewed as, um, less as just like a little smaller, less developed people and more as like sort of a, a different thing from an adult. All of this is to say that <laughs> that is kind of like what a lot of what was, um, discussed in my classes in college and why yeah it's it's so interesting because you at least i did not think about any of this shit you know until i took classes like this sure Um, you just sort of take for granted that like children's media is children's media and um you know it's sort of didactic and it's not really like anything worth discussing right but there's you know and i had friends who used to make fun of what I studied. (laughs) I had one friend who was always like, how's how's like Winnie the Pooh or whatever the fuck (laughs) you're reading this week? Damn. But yeah, it's it's actually worth evaluating. And so this is a film that that um, I studied in a class. And part of uh, the the article that we're going to be discussing in conjunction with this is written by Andrew Gordon, who um, was a professor, maybe still is. But when I was there um, at the University of Florida, was a professor in in the English department who he is like a Spielberg scholar like he's he studies the works of Spielberg um, and actually had a whole class on Spielberg's films that I never managed to take. But the class that I will be referencing a lot um, today is a class that I took with Professor John Check, who is actually um, included in the acknowledgments of this article because he sort of contributed to it. And I think he also borrowed a lot of Gordon's ideas when teaching this in class. So, <laughs> with that uh, really extensive background
1: i love that i'm re- um. i'm I'm really excited to to i i right before we started recording, I told you that I'm not trying to put too much pressure on you, but I'm very excited to hear specifically how you you know interpret this this movie oh yeah and stuff.
0: I will uh happily not shut up about it um <laughs> just to talk about what happens in the film, yeah, which people are probably very familiar with uh yeah. Our protagonist is Elliot. He's a little boy who I think he's supposed to be like, what, like 10 ish?
1: Something like that. Yeah, he's 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 of he's like in grade school, Mm -hmm. but but he is like old enough to have thoughts of his own. I guess, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Not to say that younger kids don't, but like to to express those thoughts and stuff. Yeah.
0: Sort of 10 to tween ish. Mm hmm. He lives with his mother, an older brother and a younger sister played by the fantastic Drew Barrymore. Really good child acting
1: blew my mind. I'm going to this. This is really going to be my only contribution to this episode, I think, (laughs) is being like, I can't believe the stuff in this movie that I forgot. One Mm -hmm. being that it is like Drew Barrymore's like breakout role or
0: whatever. Yeah. Fucking wild. She's really good in it, too. She's Um, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he lives with I mentioned the mom, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we learn in the film that uh, his father has recently left the family. He has a new girlfriend. And during the events of this of this movie, he is supposed to be in Mexico with his new girlfriend. (laughs) So uh, this sort of just tells the story of how Elliot, who's this like lonely kid who doesn't seem to have a lot of friends, is missing a father figure in his life recently, meets an alien who Mm -hmm. was uh, accidentally left on Earth by his alien friends or family or colleagues. They are botanists who like were studying <laughs> earth plants, um, <laughs> when they were almost found by a group of mysterious adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had to get out of there quickly and ET gets left behind. And so it's the story of how, um, Elliot and his siblings and some of their friends eventually help ET get home. um, mm-hmm. And something that's very interesting that becomes apparent throughout the film is that E.T. and Elliot have um, some kind of like psychic connection where Mm. they start to feel each other's emotions. um, I think like physical sensations sort of implied, Um, you know, at one point E.T. gets drunk and Elliot (laughs) feels drunk. Yeah. And uh, they seem to like know what the other is thinking. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, the sort of antagonists for much of the film are basically any adult who is not Elliot's mom. Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't, and it's notable hers I think is the only face of an adult that we see until um, maybe the last half hour of the oh, movie or something like that. Yeah. One thing that was very intentionally done in this film is that for most of it, adults are shot from uh, waist height, yeah, uh, to literally mimic the the perspective of a child or of E.T. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's suggested that, like, these are, uh, you know, people from the government or something who who um, want to study E.T. for sort of nefarious reasons. A
1: classic film move to film people in power or who are perceived to be in power to film them from below so they look imposing. Mm hmm. There's a lot of craft in this movie. Oh, I have yeah. to say there's yeah. a lot of film craft going on. I mean, it's Steven Spielberg, so obviously, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Some of the the use of like lighting and how shots are staged, it's like it's really good. I'm I'm like kind of a big fan of Spielberg. Jaws is like low-key one of my favorite movies. Mm, it's good. Um, it's a good movie. Uh anyway, so at some point <sighs> Elliot and E.T. both get sick. Um and this is I'm I'm going to spoil things. Um <laughs> that is around the time that they get you know discovered by this it, we never even explicitly find out who they are but they seem to be like federal government agents you know yep. area 51 types who, SIU yeah <laughs> the SIU who take over the house essentially um and it's not clear exactly what they're doing to me it seems that they are trying to first and foremost help ET and Elliot get better mm-hmm. um keep them alive Unsuccessfully, E.T. passes away, at which point um, the link that he seems to have had with Elliot appears to be broken. We find out that the main antagonist, a guy known only as Keys, because um, he is identified in the first half of the movie by the uh, sort of like set of keys that's on his, um, like hanging off of his belt, it turns out to be a actually rather kindly person who allows elliot a moment alone with et at which point elliot uh tells et that he loves him and with the power of his love or something else because it's not really uh explicitly said although i've read some theories et is revived um and reveals that the efforts that i failed to mention earlier of them trying to contact et's uh alien brethren uh that's where the phrase et phone home comes from they are coming to to pick up their boy and hey. so um elliot and his friends or his old, older brother and his older brother friends um need to get et out and so we get a really cool scene where they uh, all of these kids are revealed to be just like bmx stunt boys um <laughs> Yeah. Bike their way out of the suburbs into the forest to see E.T. Yeah. E. off. And it's a, a very heartbreaking but touching uh, farewell. And then E.T. ascends back to uh, space slash heaven. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> It's a very classic kind of coming of age. Um, we mentioned this, I think, in an earlier episode, but people in the Discord actually had a, a viewing party of yeah. this. And I I tuned in and I noted uh, Rob K said, E.T. is secretly an old Yeller sequel as a joke about something else. And I was <laughs> like, for real, though, it is basically an old Yeller. It's it, like on the surface. This is a, a classic coming of age story yeah. of a child learning to grapple with the realities of adulthood by losing someone that he cares about very deeply. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's kind of uh, the basic rundown.
2: I taught him how to talk now. He can talk now. Look what he brought up here all by himself. What do
1: you need this stuff for? Elliot. E.T. Can you say that? Can you say E.T. E.T.
2: E.T. T. <laughs> e. E.T. E.T. Be good.
1: Be good. I taught him that too. You should give him his dignity. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen.
2: Phone. Phone. He said phone. He said phone. Can't you understand? It?
1: CG's home.
0: Should I just start launching um, in with my? Yeah, sorry. Um, no, yeah. Uh, that's
1: a, a, a great synopsis. Like I said, I forgot so much about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like when I saw it last, I, I don't know. We we used to have it on VHS, so I probably watched it in like 2000 mm-hmm. when I was seven. So it's been a fair a fair amount of time. But the the movie is good. The actually, is good. the it's movie really is good. good. You know, it's 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 obviously this cultural touchstone for a reason, and for being a film in the 80s, the like obviously the practical effects are wonderful because you know of course they are like uh, mm-hmm. i don't know like like there's just something about like that this this golden age for practical effects i feel yeah. like was like the eight the, the the 80s were just like so so good and something that blew my mind about this movie is how convincing like the bike scene is
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's just like it looks so good <laughs> yeah. and like i i mean it I assume that it's in front of like a, you know, green screen, blue screen, whatever. But like the way that the, the they they silhouette Elliot and E.T. And the, the even the liftoff and stuff, it's just mm-hmm. all so good. Yeah. And so like convincing and especially for a movie that was literally made 30 years ago or came out 30 years ago. So probably made like, you it's- know, 31, 32 years ago. <laughs>
0: Angie, we're 30. This is like a 40-year-old movie at this point.
1: Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Sorry, 82. 82, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, a 40-year-old movie. Even so, like, even more so. Like, it, yeah. it, it's wild how, how good a lot of this, a lot of these these effects um, translate into this movie even 40 years later. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I'm, I'm going to be, be bouncing off of you for a lot of my, sure. my theme and discussion stuff. But one yeah. fun fact I did want to bring is that the... Um, voice actress for et the the voice of et uh her name is patricia welsh (laughs) perfected the like gravelly sound of et's voice uh Mm -hmm. by smoking three packs of cigarettes (gasps) a day (laughs) patricia (laughs) i had to do this for the craft oh my god i don't know if i don't know if that was it i i I truly i don't know if that was necessary
0: that's crazy Um,
1: but that's that that is that is one bit of of trivia that i just found absolutely mind-bending
0: that is wild so i think one thing that's really notable that i've kind of alluded to is the idea of perspective in this film where it really is from the child's perspective, not only in a literal sense in terms of where the camera is positioned, but, you know, the trappings of adulthood are treated and adults themselves are treated as more foreign and more difficult to understand um, and more sinister even than like the actual alien, you know? Um, yeah, even just this opening sequence where um you know we have the aliens who are like i said botanists they're taking plant samples um there's everything is very softly lit when they're on screen um they have their hearts glow yeah um and it is this warm light yeah it's like it's it's strangely like
1: i guess like angelic you know, mm-hmm. like like saying that they return to heaven at the end, I don't think is super a super stretch. Like, it's, I mean,
0: there is a point where E.T. is literally he comes out of this van with white robes on and his heart is glowing (laughs) after having just died and been (laughs) resurrected there are religious tones to this so yeah god angelic is definitely right not to interrupt i'm sorry no um, that was
1: that was that was pretty much it
0: yeah so yeah that is and that like warmth and kind of natural aesthetic, for lack of a better sure. word, um, is juxtaposed against these adults who they're associated with this like coldness, you know, they're they have these flashlights that are this harsh blue light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have the like metallic sound of the keys rattling. Um, they have like, you know, I don't know what kind of contraptions, but like some kind of like scanners or sensors or whatever mm-hmm. that are making like Beeping noises yeah. and all, all of that. And then, when they take over the house, it's like they cover it in plastic. It's very sterile in
1: biohazard suits, yeah mm-hmm.
0: and all of that is kind of juxtaposed against this, like more natural side of of e t and of the kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when we see the kids engage with technology, it's sort of like folksy. um e t makes this communicator to contact the other aliens that is, cobbled together out of like just random shit from Mm. from elliot's house and a speak and spell toy (laughs) speak and spell a coffee can and the way that it works is they have to like uh, this i've never understood connect it to a tree and then it works by like wind power when the wind blows through the Mm. trees like it's all very like natural and and like homey kind Mm. of and so it like it presents this this perspective, but that perspective does shift over the course of the film, where at some point we find, like I said, we finally start seeing the faces of the adults. It is sort of uncertain whether they're, you know, just here to like, you know, study E.T. and poke and prod at him or right. if they're actually like trying to help him medically. <laughs> you know they they are very solemn when he is lost like i said keys actually turns out to be extremely kind it's implied that he either has been interested in extraterrestrial life in space since he was a kid or maybe like had an encounter himself with with some extraterrestrial beings um Mm -hmm. Because he says, he says to Elliot, you know, I've been waiting for this since I was 10 years old and this is like so important to me and I I want E.T. to survive and I want, you know, this is a, and he says this is a miracle I mean, that this has happened.
2: I've been wishing for this since I was 10 years old. I don't want him to die. What can we do that we're not already doing? He needs to go home. He's calling his people. And I don't know where they are. I he needs to go home. Elliot, I don't think that he was left here intentionally. But his being here is a miracle, Elliot. It's a miracle. And you did the best that anybody could do. I'm glad he met you first.
0: And so I think by the end of the film, Elliot has, we see that Elliot has matured in such a way that the, the trappings of adulthood itself are no longer quite as scary. They can be understood and con- conquered in a sense. And I think Keys is sort of held up as an example of someone who has made this transition into adulthood, but still retains kind of the like childlike wonder that uh, prevents, you know, this <laughs> this like kind of completely cold, unfeeling version of adulthood from, you know, taking over or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just reviewing my notes before I kind of move on. While 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 you
1: check uh, mm-hmm. uh, sure. <laughs> your notes, another another uh, small bit of trivia. This one feels like I, I think it's a little more well known, but um, you know, ET is obsessed with Reese's Pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, the candy. But originally <laughs> in the script, it was written that they were M&M's. But the Mars company, Mars Incorporated, refused to allow them to use <laughs> M&M's because they thought kids were going to be too scared of E.T. Oh, of, yeah. of the actual aliens. <laughs> so then they went to Hershey <laughs> and they were like, hey, can you <laughs> um, there is that's so funny to me. That
0: um, is very funny. Um, and I think that's, it's that's actually a great segue mm. into one of the fun facts that I had that is um, mentioned in this article that I've been referencing, which is called E.T. is fairy tale. Part of what's (laughs) what is discussed is the fact that Spielberg says that he made E.T. sort of deliberately ugly. He said the story is the beauty of his character. You know, you're sort of supposed to, like, learn to to recognize his goodness, notwithstanding how foreign he, you know, or how um, completely other he is at the beginning right. yeah and so the what what this article posits is that um the reason why this story works so well is because it is told essentially as a fairy tale there's a, there's a great quote from the article that i'd like to to read where he's talking about gordon is talking about how how these quote-unquote suburban fantasies and particularly et mm-hmm. are sort of situated in relation to science fiction yeah. Um, He says Spielberg's movies really belong to the suburbs of science fiction, which he refers to as SF in here, abbreviated. Um, He says, since they're closer to the horror story and the fairy tale, he deals not in the rationality of science fiction, but rather in the deliberate implausibility of fantasy, the inexplicable intrusion of the extraordinary into the everyday. Uh, His extraterrestrials are really updated versions of the trolls, dwarfs, elves, leprechauns and other enchanted creatures who populate full folklore and fairy tales. And this is actually kind of supported by by Spielberg himself, who says that they were originally going to have, um, you know, these scenes with with the UFO take place in kind of an open field. And then his script collaborator, Melissa Matheson, said, no, no, let's put it in the forest because a forest is magical. There are elves in the forest. It's it, They're very much tapping into this, this idea of the The fairy tale and the reason why that is so interesting, I think, is because there is a theory which is kind of discussed in this article of fairy tales as kind of like, fairy tales are not simply wish fulfillments, but embody psychological truths. While it entertains the child, a fairy tale enlightens him about himself and fosters his personality development, symbolizes inner conflicts and suggests how they may be resolved. And so Gordon kind of ties E.T. to the fairy tale of the Frog King, which is sort of like the frog Prince, essentially, Ooh. a princess goes into the forest and while playing with a golden ball, drops it in a well. An ugly frog promises to return the ball if she takes him home with her. If you will love me and let me be your companion and playfellow and sit by you at your little table and eat off your little golden plate and drink out of your little cup and sleep in your little bed. And of course, he then turns into a handsome prince who becomes her husband, Um, which we (laughs) setting aside the sort of like gender. (laughs) It's
1: it's perfect messaging. I don't know what you're talking. about. Yeah, (laughs) the
0: messaging of all you have to do is civilize this little frog man and he'll be your perfect husband. Right. Um, Teach him to to sit at the table. Uh. Um, (laughs) But but it's sort of a you know, the Gordon is sort of drawing the parallel here where um, in this case. Elliot is in the position of being E.T.'s like he has this now sort of all powerful friend who can make bikes fly and shit, but who also relies on Elliot. Um, He's sort of simultaneously both filling a role of parent to Elliot, but also teaching Elliot to parent, all of which kind of like contributes to his his maturation throughout. Mm. By the way, If E.T. is the frog king, is E.T. the frog of the week? (gasps) Wow. (laughs) The crossover event of the century. (laughs) Um, And so just to to like start tying these things back to the game, which is the point of this, I think that the idea of perspective is really interesting. You know, that's something that we discussed a lot in the episode that we recorded today, where um, we're starting to see how the perspectives of different characters kind of like alter how <laughs> how the game is presented to us mm-hmm. and the way that they see the world. Um, mm-hmm. And particularly with Not-Sean, um, we discussed how a lot of what she perceives about her story and a lot of what was initially presented to us in her story as the truth is like colored by her perspective, which is largely based on having seen something like E.T., mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the uh, in-universe equivalent of E.T. EXT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, She fills in gaps with her assumptions kind of based on that and misses a lot of what is actually in front of her. Yeah. And part of that is because she is mapping on this sort of construction of it as a fairy tale where she feels she's filling a role and BJ is filling a role. And so, you know, they just have to you know kind of like go through the motions of what right. the story requires and then that that will lead to a happy ending and i just thought that was so interesting sort of when you think about it in terms of this betelheim conception of the fairy tale mm. where it's you know this is this is how you resolve this particular conflict this is you know and it's um there's a lot of discussion of like youngian archetypes in here all of which i think um is like an interesting connection and i yeah. think also in this case i think it's interesting that whereas et is very childlike bj really is not no. <laughs> like I, I i think that it, what's interesting is the differences um yeah as much as the similarities with Nachan. Yeah. She is she is really only in the position of child and it's like so I think we when we talked about her story we were like BJ is like well I, I'm kind of stuck with <laughs> with yeah. this this person and I have yeah. to kind of keep her on track.
1: Yeah, I had um in in I I written down um where ET is like literally connected to Elliot Mm-hmm. um bj is solely a vessel for not trying to uh project onto mm-hmm. and i think that's i think that's a really interesting juxtaposition between you know between the the media and the media or between 13 sentinels and the media it is referencing mm-hmm. um is for these things to be like like you said like et and bj are nearly as opposite as you could get in every way right like, even as far as like et is an organic being and bj is a literal robot
0: mm-hmm. um and ET's like, e. et's people are uh in search of knowledge about plant life this sort of like organic and right. bj is like i need to find a fucking robot the giant
1: robot right <laughs> yeah um you know speaking in full sentences making his intentions mm-hmm. fully known
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um and just not being heard <laughs> really
2: right could they really be men in black An organization that monitors alien activity maybe there's a UFO that's landed near here a lone alien left behind by a UFO its only hope is to be rescued by one chosen earthling an alien are you an alien from space oh my god I'm the chosen one yes It all makes sense. Those black suits all over campus? It's just like that one movie! They must be here to capture this alien. And that means... I must protect him. His name is BJ. His mission was to protect Earth from other evil aliens. Go to Gate. Gate? I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about but it's okay. I've seen the movie. You need to call your home planet, right? And then a UFO is going to come and rescue you. Don't worry. I'm going to help you.
1: I think that's, that's a really interesting thing. And I'm curious what, if anything, I guess if the game is trying to say anything with that, or if it's just trying to kind of use it as a, as a jumping off point, part of me feels like it's the latter. um, Just kind of based on, stuff that we have talked about in the episode that'll come out next week
0: (laughs) i think we haven't seen enough yet i do think that there is a part of it that's probably just you know the fun of subverting expectations and you know sort of (laughs) making nachan's story kind of comic relief Mm -hmm. um insofar as she really has no idea what's going on and it's Mm -hmm. because she's come in with these (laughs) preconceived notions um but i also think we do know based on a pretty early uh, destruction scene that BJ appears to be out of the picture by the right. time we reach reached that point in the timeline. And she says something like, you know, this is the last gift he ever gave me right. or something like that. And so what I'll be interested to see is whether not Sean eventually comes to that full understanding and, you know, goes through kind of the same maturation that, right. that Elliot does. Um, and, and, you know, that part of whether part of that has to do with losing BJ the way that that Elliot loses ET, because I think it would be interesting if it kind of comes back around to the same the same kind of coming of age uh, theme. Obviously, I don't think that that's coming of age. It's not like what this game is doing by no. any means. Um <laughs> But uh, in terms of like how we get from you know, the Nachon who exists in 2188 back to this maybe simulated or, you know, we don't quite know yeah. past child version of Nachon, you know, does the end point bring us back to her having like full understanding and um having to lose BJ in the process to like finally realize like this isn't just, you know, this isn't like a fun fantasy fairy tale like story, this is like a you know, this is real with real stakes. And, um you know, you have to take it a little more seriously and look at what's in front of you.
2: Yeah,
1: I think it's interesting because like, uh, you know, like I just said, the 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 BJ and ET are are opposite in a lot of ways. But like if we end up at the same inflection point of like having to become a mature adult, like this idea of ET as a fairy tale with like a quote unquote happy ending. Like it's not a, it's not like a traditional happy ending. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it, he, he comes, Elliot comes away as, you know, I think a better person and, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously a more uh, complete person as, you know, uh, at this young age, but like, it's not like a, we ride off into the sunset and everything is, is hunky dory. It's like, I, you know, lost something that meant a Mm -hmm. lot to me. Um, but, but, it will make me a, a, a better person, I guess, in the future. And I think for, for both of these stories, even though they are completely opposite for them to both end at that point of like losing something in order to realize yourself, I guess, Mm -hmm. is, is kind of, is kind of cool. I think.
0: I I think so. And I think also (laughs) maybe you can decide if you want to cut this out, but in the episode that we just recorded, which is the Mm -hmm. episode that comes out, after
1: yeah it'll come out this Thursday. This.
0: yeah um we kind of start discussing our theories um which include that most of the events of the game are taking place in a simulation right and so i think it would be very interesting if part of nachon's kind of character development involves her going through this like coming this classic coming of age tale and coming out of the other side realizing that she's in a simulation that if that mm. is the the maturation that she that she has mm. um you know is this is this nachon's path out of this never-ending loop um is going through the process of like meeting what she thinks is her like little alien friend yeah and coming to terms with yeah I mm. yeah and uh you know at, at that point the idea of you know, this being a fairy tale and a fun little fantasy, um, starts to, I think that starts to, it's really interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I hope, well, I will see, but yeah. it seems to be that that's where this is going. So yeah,
1: I think so. Mm-hmm. I I, I, re- I really do think so.
0: That's kind of my, my big stuff. I will, um, just for fun, point out that there's a lot of discussion in this article. And there was in my class about E.T. as a phallic symbol, <laughs> which is unfortunately, I think, not inaccurate. Um, <laughs> when you're talking about like a little boy growing up and uh, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they bring up how his neck stretches. Sure. Which I hate. Um, and uh it's also worth noting, there's a great scene where um Elliot is in school, E.T. is at home and Elliot is in science class <laughs> where they are dissecting frogs that day, which I don't I guess maybe this was a thing that happened in this time frame. But um when I did this in high school, the frogs were dead already in this case, um they are doing basically a live dissection yeah this was wild hooked up um (laughs) the the frogs are um sedated (laughs) and then uh the kids are supposed to to dissect them but before that happens elliot frees them um starts like a little child revolution where (laughs) all the kids free the free the frogs yeah which by the way is absolutely a a reflection of um his fears for ET that mm-hmm. if he is caught by humans or by adults, that that is what they will do to him. Yeah. Um But it, ET meanwhile is at home uh, getting drunk off of mom's <laughs> beers in the fridge. Yeah. Uh, and is watching this movie where um, a man like dramatically kisses a woman and we see ET or we see Elliot in the classroom actually act this out with the girl that he seems to have a crush on. hmm and and kisses her and so that i think sort of (laughs) lends some more credence to the idea of like part of coming of age is also like you know realizing your adult feelings um Bye. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because it's so cursed that if I have to know it, you guys all have to know it, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's immortalized in the podcast feed forever.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're welcome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was uh a. Great. I, I I really feel like I didn't say much at all. And I apologize for that.
0: I apologize for talking so much.
1: No, I it was great. <laughs> I, I it was everything that I wanted it to be and more. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do some some heavier lifting next week when we talk about The Matrix.
0: Yeah, uh, that'll be good because I don't I must have seen The Matrix when I was uh yeah. You know, back, back when it came out. Yeah, I think. But I actually don't uh, remember a whole lot about it if I did see it. So maybe I didn't. I don't know. Cool.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had watched it a few months ago, so I'll, I'll be I'm, I'm curious to watch it again. But perfect. Uh, this episode was about E.T. And uh, if you haven't watched it. It's available places. You can watch it. If you want to come to my parents' old house and get the VHS tape, <laughs> they probably donated it, so you can't get it. Don't dox your parents. Don't dox your <laughs> parents, no. Um but yeah, so so that's that that'll do it for this this episode, I think. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: we'll be back on Thursday with a regular one.
0: Yeah. Um, In the meantime, ET phone home.
1: Yay. Yay! Bye everybody.
0: Bye. <laughs>
2: Wg, the worst garbage. The online.